0: As we continue in our service together, we're going to read from Acts chapter 9 this morning. You want to turn with me? It's page number 917 in the Pew Bibles. I should say as we're turning that up, my name is Jordan Jones. I'm a third year student training for the ministry and currently placed in Craigavon Presbyterian. I do a little bit of work in MacGabrie Prison. So, Um, Acts chapter 9 as we come this morning we know that in a whole week we've heard so many things we've read so much but yet this morning we come and we read from the one true living God who speaks to us through his word Acts 9 beginning at verse 1 this is the word of God verse 1 says But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. Amen, we thank God for his word to us this morning. Well, can I encourage you to turn again with me to Acts chapter 9, it's page number 917 in the Pew Bibles as we spend time looking at this together. Sorry? Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, this morning I wondered this week, did you have a similar experience to this? I was coming off the motorway at Portadown, it's coming up to 6 p.m., Maybe coming off the motorway towards somewhere near Balmina for folks up this direction. Traffic is building and the pace that you're getting home is slowing down greatly. You can almost sense that your dinner is getting colder as you sit in traffic. Or I also got caught this week in the school traffic coming through Lurgan. Regardless, you knew that scene. You're stuck in traffic. You're caught daydreaming a little bit. And without warning, the person in front of you slams the brakes and those red lights flash up and you panic and you slam your brakes as well and you begin to tense up a little bit. Now, if you're honest, you know that you're never moving too fast at all and you can sigh a bit of relief, but you're caught off guard. And so you slam the brakes, you stop suddenly until you're able to have that deep sigh of relief and a feeling that everything's going to be okay because another potential Accident is avoided. We know that feeling, don't we, this morning of having to stop suddenly and unexpectedly. In Acts 9, we see a man being forced to stop suddenly on his way, suddenly encountering the Lord Jesus in the most dramatic fashion. And maybe as we look at it together this morning, it might cause some of us to have to stop in our own tracks as well. Who was this Saul? Saul was an avid persecutor of the church, right? It's what we see as we look back over chapters Acts, from Acts 7 to 8. He's a man who's introduced to us in the account of the stoning of Stephen as being present, but more than that, also approving of his death. Saul was not just a watching bystander, he was in the midst of it. After Stephen's stoning, he becomes one of the most passionate and direct persecutors of the church. In Acts 8, verse 3, if you look just across the page 906, you'll see these words. Acts 8, 3. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. And so, this is the context in which this encounter happens in today's passage. This encounter with the risen Lord Jesus. And for Saul, his life changes forever. So as we begin looking at Acts 9, the first thing we see is on the screen for us. is that God stops people in their tracks. As we begin this chapter, we read that Saul begins to make it his mission to cause misery and enact punishment on those who are following Jesus. And he wants to expand the reach of his persecution beyond the confines of Jerusalem. So he approaches the high priest to ask for permission to go on a persecution road trip to Damascus. To find all those who are followers of Jesus or those who follow the way as Luke records it for us. One of the commentators mentions that this was the name given to followers of Jesus long before The name Christian. And how it's a fitting title given that Jesus notes that he himself is the way, the truth and the life. In John 14 verse 6. Saul here is pursuing those who follow this way. And he wants to take them in a complete different direction. To take them back to Jerusalem in chains. To capture men and women and to bring them back to prison in Jerusalem. Simply for following Jesus. And so, even in these opening verses of Acts 9, we see a deep rooted hatred and just how driven Saul is to carry out what he thought was the rightful thing. As a devout Jew, he saw the way as an incredible and great threat. But no matter how passionate, no matter how driven, no matter how determined Saul was in his persecution, Saul is no match for the one he encounters on his way. The one who causes him to stop suddenly in his track, halts him on his course, and Saul's life is never the same again. God dramatically stops him on his way. And in this passage, we see that he can do it in all sorts of ways. And the same is true for us. Maybe something has happened in our families. Maybe we've watched something on TV. Maybe we've had a near-death experience. God can work in dramatic ways to stop us in our tracks. I'm sure for us here this morning in Buckna, Presbyterian, if we were to sit together over a cup of coffee after the service, we would be able to share the story of how we first knew that God was at work in our lives. And undoubtedly, for some of us, that has been a very gentle experience over time. Maybe we grew up in a church. But for some of us, we might have had to stop suddenly in our tracks and to be confronted by the Lord Jesus and the offer given to us in the gospel in a much more sudden fashion. Maybe even today, we need to be stopped again in our tracks. Because I wonder this morning, if I was to begin to speak about the most unlikely comfort, who would come into your mind? There are numerous people, aren't there, in our lives that might come into our heads. The unbelieving family member who has never shown any interest. The argumentative friend who has a long list of counter theories. The work colleague who lives for the weekend. Or the lovable rogue who just seems to always get themselves into trouble. This morning what I want us to see is that Saul is probably up there with one of the most unlikely converts. He's breathing threats of murder against the church. But here he counters the Lord Jesus. And, this, and in this fact we get to see that the gospel is open for Everyone that all can come to him no matter what their background and they can find life and forgiveness and freedom in him. You see Saul is caught completely off guard. He's halted on his way as God stops him in his tracks and that brings us to our second point that God shares in his people's sufferings. Often life might cause us to stop and think about how tragically fragile life on this earth is one notification on our phones our lunchtime news bulletin and it can seem that our world has gotten to a whole new level of crazy and things are dramatically getting worse one phone call one text message one conversation one bad appointment one bad review meeting one whatever And everything in our lives can seem to be turned upside down in a second, in an instant. But in the same way this morning, I want us to see that our lives can become greatly improved in an instant. What we need to see in Acts chapter 9 is that God can work in an instant to bring us to himself. Saul is halted on his way to persecute followers of Jesus. If we look at verse 3 together of Acts chapter 9 we read that Saul is making his way towards Damascus and he suddenly is surrounded by a bright light. And like when we maybe hear a big bang, he drops to the ground out of fear. This fierce man who's breathing threats of murder, where is he now? He's lying frightened on the ground. And suddenly he hears this voice speaking to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The voice begins to speak directly to Saul and using that traditional formal double intonation of his name. But Saul does not know who this voice belongs to. Saul cries back, who are you, Lord? And this is the moment that his life changes forever. Saul, the avid persecutor, has encountered the persecuted. And as this bright light shines around him, he is encountering a great power. He cries out, Who are you, Lord? The Lord of the ones whom he has been persecuting has appeared to him. This voice continues in verses 5 and 6. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And these words must have been the most eye-opening and heart-exposing words that pierced deep into Saul's life as the young persecutor that he is. By these words, Saul, the avid persecutor, is brought to a vivid realization that this Jesus is actually alive. Later in chapter 9, verse 17, we read that Saul here actually sees the risen Lord Jesus, a point which Saul will make again in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 8. So the man who has embarked on his journey to imprison followers of Jesus has now been exposed to the reality of Jesus' powerful resurrection, which ironically is the very hope of the believers he was hoping to imprison. Do we see this morning the amazement of what is happening here? The persecutor has encountered the persecuted. Now Saul isn't just aware that he isn't just persecuting these believers. He knows now he's persecuting Jesus himself. And that's an incredible truth for the church, which includes us today. Now, as we are gloriously united to Jesus, and this comment shows just how closely Jesus identifies with his people, how much he cares for them in the midst of all the ups and the downs of life. We know that many of us can experience persecution in our lives for being followers of Jesus. We see that in the church, not just here in Bukhna, but across the world. This week I read a story about a man in Bangladesh named Jaru. This believer is 30 years of age and became a Christian in his mid-twenties. When that happened, he was kicked out of the family home. His family held his funeral because he was now dead to them. He was kicked out of his village and in that communal context, his prospects for a job and for getting married were all over. It hurt him deeply to be so thoroughly rejected by his friends and family and everything that he had known was taken away from him. The reality is this morning, if we meet the Lord Jesus, then our lives are never the same again. Everything can change around us as things begin to change within us. We know that following Jesus doesn't mean the easiest life. But in all of that, what a comfort for us this morning to know that as we suffer, Jesus cares for us. As we are persecuted as his church, he is persecuted with us. He suffers with us. And so this week as we potentially face being the butt of the joke and work or we get questioned at dinner time about why we bother with all this Christianity stuff anyhow, or we're excluded in school because we're a follower of Jesus, then, brothers and sisters, let us find comfort in the Lord Jesus who identifies with us in our pain and strengthens us as his people. With this idea, we move to our third point, that God's people comfort those who suffer. we continue to read in Acts 9, Saul is sent along the road to the city, but the bright light has left Saul blinded and he needs guiding to the city by those who are with him. Men who had heard the voice coming from heaven but had not seen anyone. And so they helped Saul into Damascus and for three days he's left without sight. Again, the irony is here for us. The man who desired to enter the city with great might and power in order to imprison those, those who are against his views, now he enters weak, blind, needing the help of others. Saul's blindness here, only ever a picture of his spiritual blindness. He was in darkness, not able to see the wickedness of his ways, not able to comprehend the greatness of Jesus, whom he is persecuting. But now, even though he is physically blind, Saul can now see much more clearly than ever before because Saul has seen the risen Lord Jesus. But he also needs his physical needs cared for as well. And in verse 10, we are introduced to a disciple named Ananias who the Lord calls upon to come and help Saul in Damascus. Saul has received a vision of a man coming to help him, placing his Hands on him and restoring his sight. But Ananias has heard reports about this, Saul. News has spread of his determination to stop this growing movement of believers. And as a result, he's reluctant to carry out God's plan. Think about it. Saul has set out to radically extinguish and wipe out these followers of Jesus. It would be like the leader of a terrorist organization becoming a Christian. That's the reality that's happening here. People would be hesitant in the, to help them and to believe them. There are maybe people in our lives and in our communities that we would be unlikely to believe if we heard of their conversion so suddenly. And if we're honest this morning, there would be people in our communities that we wouldn't be running to help if they needed us. But God clearly outlines the plan he has for Saul. He was to be his chosen instrument for the Gentiles and their kings and the people of Israel. We read of that in verse 15. God has an incredible plan for Saul's life. As Ananias heads to Damascus, he lays his hands on Saul and he says these words in verse 17. Look at it with me. He says, Brother Saul... The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. As Ananias proclaims these words, verse nineteen and 18 and 19 tell us, Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Yet again, this is an incredible thing that happens to Saul here. He regains his sight, physically now able to see. And all of this to show the inward transformation that has taken place in Saul's life as he has come into relationship with the risen Lord Jesus. The scales falling from his eyes show how he sees now, in a much deeper spiritual sense, the reality of the faith which the people he was seeking to persecute possess. And everything changes dramatically in his life from this point onwards. And we see that as we come to our final point, which is that God's people share in Christ's sufferings. You may be in what God says to Ananias, that part of his plan for Saul's life is this, that I will show him how much he will suffer for my name. These words made me think of this. In our local leisure centre, as you come out of the changing rooms from the gym, you've got three options right in front of you. You could go to the right, and that leads you back down the stairs, back to a cafe, back to your car, and just go home, right? Forget the gym completely. It's very tempting. Also tempting is to walk towards the left. It's in Craigavon is the new spa section filled with, you know, all the nice things. Very tempting, but if you walk straight ahead, you enter the gym. And saying this, maybe apart from a few of us here this morning, I have no doubt it's what the option we would want to choose the least. Going to a place that will sweat lots, a place that we're going to be sore the day after, we're going to get tired far quicker than many of us would like to admit. Three options in front of you, and Saul comes to know the Lord Jesus. His life is not going to be filled with all of the spa treatments. He's not going to get a check out early. He's not going to get to go and sit and sit on his flat white before going home. Instead, what we see throughout the rest of Acts and in his letter is that his life is incredibly tough at times. He faces great persecution. His life is nearly taken from him on many occasions and at different stages and times. And in this, we see that the reality of becoming a Christian means that we can expect suffering and hardship. That's the reality. If you're to be a Christian here today, that doesn't mean that you pick the easiest way. But listen to how Paul outlines the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus over everything else, even in the midst of great difficulty. He says these words, reflecting on his past status as a Jewish heavyweight He writes in his letter to the Philippian church. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. From this point on, his life will never be the same. He will share in Christ's sufferings, but he wouldn't give it up for anything. Christ is his greatest prize, and he longs for the day when he will be with Him for all of eternity. It poses the question: Does is that our hope this morning? Is that our mindset? Is that what we thought this morning when we got up out of bed? In acts 9 we see the transformation of a man who moves from being the persecutor to the persecuted there's two simple things i think we need to see in this firstly it points us that the offer of the gospel is open to everyone no matter what we've done in our past no matter our current circumstances no matter how bad we feel about ourselves this morning The offer of grace and forgiveness is there if we trust completely in Jesus. If a persecutor like Saul can be brought into God's family, then we can as well. If a sinner like me can come into God's family, if a sinner like you, then we know the hope of the gospel is open for everyone. Second thing we see is that no matter what we face on this earth, no matter what tomorrow holds for us, no matter what the next notification on our phone says or the text, text message that comes through, we know that living for Jesus is the greatest thing we can ever do as we hold being with him as our eternal hope. He knows our sufferings. He knows our greatest need. He knows when we cry to him. He knows and he cares this morning we have a saviour that will not let us go until we go and we're with him as his people for all of eternity that is the confidence that is ours that no matter what we have to give up on this earth no matter what we lose out on no matter what suffering comes our way that he will hold us fast he will keep us in his arms he will be with us forever Maybe this morning you've never thought about this Jesus before. Maybe you've never come to him. Maybe you're clinging on to things of this world too tightly. All those things will pass away. Living for God and for his kingdom won't. He has a plan for us. He has an eternal hope that is offered to us in the gospel. If only we come and trust in him. Let us pray together. Father God, we praise you this morning that you can work so dramatically in people's lives. Father, we're thankful for this example in Saul's life of how you can expose even the most hardened of individual to the wonders of who you are and the thing you've done for us in the gospel. God, thank you that that offer is for each and every one of us, that we have a hope for all of eternity. We have a hope for life beyond the grave. We have a confidence that will not be shaken or taken away. God, would you fix our eyes on those things? Would you help us this week to be encouraged to live for you, even in the midst of great trial or difficulty? Father, by your Holy Spirit, would you strengthen us as your people? And if there was one today who did not know you, that you would be working in their hearts, showing them their need of Jesus, and the offer that is so freely offered to them in him. Father, we thank you for all the hope that is ours, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.